0: Do you ever find yourself being anxious or troubled by the events that are taking place today in our culture? You're not alone. Barbara Rainey has the same feelings. I mean, there are plenty of times that I've listened to the news or read an article
1: or listened to someone, and my response has been fear. I have felt fearful in my heart. And that's not what God wants me to do. He doesn't want me to respond in fear. He wants me to respond in faith. So my responsibility is to create a balance between The messages that I'm allowing to speak to my heart. And I want to grow the messages that are going to grow my faith.
0: Welcome to the Barbara Rainey Podcast from Ever Thine Home, where we're dedicated to helping you experience God in your home. Thanks so much for listening. It can be tempting to think, has the world gone completely crazy? Violence is on the increase, prices they keep going up, and the definitions of basic terms are being questioned, like what it means to be a man or a woman. It can feel like nothing is stable. But today, Barbara and Dennis Rainey are here to help us grow in hope when we remember where our true stability lies. In fact, stay tuned because I'll let you know at the end how you can watch a series of videos that are a Bible study with Barbara on cultivating hope. What we're about to hear was originally recorded for the nationally syndicated program, Family Life Today. Let's join Dennis and Barbara along with Bob Lapine.
2: You grew up in the Ozarks in southeast Missouri, right? Southwest Missouri. Right. And at that time when you were growing up, was there a Silver Dollar City? Did it exist? No. It... There
3: was uh, there was a cave.
2: <laughs> I've been to the cave.
3: There was a cave and there were two shows yeah. in Branson.
2: <laughs> yeah. But Silver Dollar City came along years later. The Here...
3: Presley Brothers and uh, what was the other one?
1: another. Bald Knobbers. Bald Knobbers. That
3: was it. <laughs> I, I mean, your... <laughs> Branson, Missouri was not the hot spot that it is
2: today, but there was no silver dollar city. You, uh, your, your wife, who's joining us today, you obviously know the history of Branson a little bit. Well, huh?
1: I just remember Dennis's mother talking about that. I think they went a few times, did you, when you were growing up? But she, I remember her talking about the Bald Knobbers because it's such an odd, strange, no. weird we, term. We you never go?
2: We go? Well, never. then maybe
1: she used to go. I don't know.
3: <laughs> I don't know that my mother ever went.
1: Okay, well, she knew about them. It was them. great, great cultural
3: music, but... Maybe a cut above where we were.
2: <laughs> I, I remember because I grew up in Missouri as well, and I remember vacationing in Branson as a child and going to Silver Dollar City. And here's my distinct memory: there was an attraction in the middle of Silver Dollar City called Slanting Sam's Cabin. You remember Slanting Sam's Cabin? Does this no. ring a bell to you?
1: We took our kids there too. It must but have I don't been a real high it. point.
2: <laughs> this was a cabin you'd go into where the walls all leaned one way and the the uh, floor tilted way up. In fact, I remember in one room you'd go in and water ran uphill because <laughs> of how they had it all arranged. Oh yeah. And I loved going to Slanton Sam's cabin and just walking through it. You you came out feeling disoriented. In fact, years later when I took Mary Ann there, we walked through it and she said, "I don't want to go to Slanton Sam's cabin. I don't like this. And it just gives me a headache. <laughs> it makes it, There is something about the uh, the amusements, like those mirrors in the old amusement parks where mm-hmm, you look different, mm-hmm. they, they, that that can be fun for a day. But if the world you're living in starts to feel like Slant Sam's Cabin, all of a sudden it goes from being a fun attraction to being something that's very disorienting.
3: You know, what you're describing, Bob, is what uh, we want to talk about. Barbara has a passion, and I do too for equipping families to know how to live in a culture that seems to be more disorienting today than it ever has been. I mean, think about what's taken place politically, what's taken place from a society standpoint, the redefinitions that now have become the new norm, what's taken place morally in our country, and then how Christians feel, those who are followers of Christ, how they feel because they're no longer welcome in many regards, in our own country, we're now getting blamed for things that are being uh, brought to our country by outsiders.
2: Yeah, we we had a guest who talked about. He used the metaphor. He said we're no longer the home team. There was a day when we were growing up, where to be a Christian and to live out Christian values in this culture, uh, people generally supported that and mm-hmm. thought that was a good thing.
3: I like, no longer I no longer sit down on an airplane when I'm traveling to to speak at a conference. Um, And I I no longer think about explaining what I do with quite the boldness Hmm. that I used to. I mean, we're about building marriages and families, strong families that are based upon the Scripture and and, uh, marriages that are based upon God's design. Well, that view is no longer the majority view in our country today.
2: Yeah. Barbara, how has this unsettledness that we're all experiencing, how have you felt it?
1: I remember the first time being aware of this in during September 11, because that really shook our country to its core. People didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to think. Nothing like this had ever happened in any of our lifetimes. And then again, I remember in 2008 when there was that big economic downturn and people were losing jobs and people weren't sure what was going to happen tomorrow. And I remember being in Bible study that year and we were, I don't even remember what we were studying, but we were flipping through some verses and some different references and there was this verse that I didn't think I'd probably ever read before. And it's Isaiah 33, 6. And it says, And he shall be the stability of your times. Hmm. And that just jumped out at me because it was in the fall of 2008 when life was feeling very uncertain for almost everybody in our country. And it was just such an anchor point to me. And I remember thinking, this is it. This is the verse that I want to hang on to whenever life feels like it's being turned upside down or when we're walking through... Slant and Sam's Cabin, right? (laughs) It's not just the environment in our country, but it's the things that we face as families. So whether it's the loss of a job or your children are being bullied at school or they're just difficulties, there are hard things in life. So it doesn't matter if it's a cultural-wide instability or if it's just some instability you're experiencing in your own family or in your own town. Jesus is our security. He is our stability. And I just know that that's true for all women. It's true for all men, too, that we need to remember that no matter what's happening around us, no matter what kind of change is happening in our culture, in our city, in our town, in our lives, Jesus is the stability of our times.
3: Barbara and I were talking about this as we drove down to see her mom last Sunday. She lives about two hours south of here. And we were just talking about the need for families to kind of go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, where God was establishing the nation of Israel, and he did it by commanding them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to train your children to do the same. And he said, these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your doorposts. Mm-hmm. They shall be on your gates. You need to remind yourself of where your stability really is. And if you if you go back to the Bible and just start reading through the Psalms, I've been spending some time in the Psalms recently. There are a lot of fear knots. There are a lot of passages that challenge us to make God our refuge. People ask me all uh, all the time, "What are you thinking about? What's happening today?" And I mean, it's a different happening every day, it You're seems.
1: Right.
3: Uh, and and I just said yesterday, I said, uh, well, I know who wins.
2: Mm.
3: I know who wins in the end. I've read the book. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells me that God, through Jesus Christ, did the battle that had to occur on behalf of our forgiveness and our eternal destiny by defeating death. And uh, he has been seated at the right hand of God the Father. And you know what? God's going to win. Now, in the meantime, will there be difficult days? Yes. Are these days where we need to be training our children to know how to think about themselves, how to think about circumstances? There's always going to be bad news. So the question is, what's your grid? How are you going to make God the stability
2: of your days? Barbara, you have been on a boat when the waves come and all of a sudden the the floor doesn't feel mm-hmm. as stable mm-hmm. as it did. You've been in airplanes when mm-hmm. uh, things get a little turbulent. Uh, in fact, you've you, slept through or been in an earthquake?
1: Uh, We didn't sleep through the earthquake. It woke you
2: up, Yes,
1: it woke us up. I remember a number of years ago, Dennis and I had all six of our kids, and we were staying with friends who live in Southern California, and we were staying in a a condo that they had borrowed, so it was fairly small. All the kids were sleeping on the floor in the living room. Like Uh (laughs) cordwood, I mean. (laughs) And there were only two bedrooms, so Dennis and I had one, and our friends Ron and Mary had the other bedroom. And I remember we woke up about two in the morning, and my first impression, was that a Mack truck had plowed into the building. Now, why I thought that, I don't know, because we weren't next to the freeway. But that was the, the feeling that I got because the walls were shaking like something had just pounded into them. But it didn't subside. And then I realized the chandelier and the ceiling was going back and forth. And then I realized it wasn't just the one wall in our bedroom, that everything was moving.
3: And then she woke me up and I well, heard the fireplace. <laughs> the fireplace
2: was rattling. So you you slept through the first part of this earthquake. Until she woke me
3: up, and and I started realizing something's (laughs) happening here. Something's going on. And I mean— it was worse than slanting Sam's cabin, Bob. <laughs>
1: yeah, because we jumped up, and the other couple did too. Our friends did too, and we all ran into the living room to check on our kids. And, you know, I remember the chandelier in that room was swinging back and forth. I don't know that the kids woke up, but we stood there thinking, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Because we didn't know how long it was going to last. We didn't know if this was just a, a tremor, and then there was going to be a really bad earthquake.
3: We went on uh, on the radio and listened, and there was no news. We heard some sirens, but you didn't know
2: where the earthquake had occurred. And, and you know that picture is a is an apt metaphor mm-hmm. for the kinds yeah, yes. of emotional earthquakes, whether it's a cultural shift like we've experienced over the last several years, an economic shift like you've described, when you don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, there can be anxiety and fear that comes Mm -hmm. along with that.
1: Yeah, because what you trusted in is not stable anymore. So the floors that we were used to walking on and not moving were moving. And you don't quite know how to walk on floors that are moving. And so the same thing is true relationally. If there's a loss in your personal life or if just the culture that we're living in has changed so that we don't really know how we're supposed to act anymore, we don't really know what we're supposed to say, it creates this insecurity. It creates this instability because what we had once assumed was true is now no longer true and so we have to rethink how how do I live in this kind of a situation how do I live in this this country that feels like it's going through an earthquake
2: mm-hmm. so if if somebody today looks at where we're living and they feel anxious about the future they're concerned about bringing up mm-hmm. their kids i've i've had people say you know would belize be a a place to mm-hmm. move to i mean people starting to think yeah. where can i find something that will be a little more supportive of what i believe and what what's important to me how do you respond to the reality of uncertainty and the fact that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or on election day
1: mm-hmm. Well, I think for some people that may be a viable question to ask. Do we need to continue to live here? Because we've had people say the same thing to us, too. Should we move to another country? But that's not for everybody. That's not even for the majority of people. Um, I think the, the only answer is to go back to what we know is true of God. And one of my favorite verses is Hebrews 13, 8, where it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So he is the same today as he was back when the ground wasn't shaking. And he will be the same next year when we don't know what next year is going to bring. And so for me personally, the solution is to listen less to all the fear speech and to all the, even weather reports are designed to scare you half to death, Mm -hmm. to listen to, to tone down all the stuff that's generating fear and turn up the volume on what's not changing, which is God and my relationship with Him. And it gives me the opportunity to choose to grow my roots deeper into Him as opposed to assuming that everything's going to be the way it's always been.
2: Okay, so I've got to just jump in here because somebody says it sounds to me like what you're saying is if the news is frightening, turn off the news. Just put your head in the sand, bury it, and put your fingers in your ears and recite (laughs) scripture verses. That's not what you're saying?
1: No, that's not what I'm saying, because I don't think we need to be ignorant. I think we need to know what's going on and we need to pray. But I think it's the balance of who we're listening to. Am I listening more to what's happening in the culture? Am I listening more to those who are talking uh, in terms that make me afraid. I mean, there are plenty of times that I've listened to the news or read an article or listened to someone, and I've my response has been fear. I have felt fearful in my heart. And that's not what God wants me to do. He doesn't want me to respond in fear. He wants me to respond in faith. So my responsibility is to create a balance between the messages that I'm allowing to speak to my heart. And I want to grow the messages that are going to grow my faith. And I want to increase listening to God in His Word and focusing on what I know to be true that is unchangeable, that is the rock. Jesus is often called our rock. Mm-hmm. And I want to focus on the rock and not on the shifting sand that's all around me.
2: So I'd apply it uh, this way. If you're spending more time with you can pick your choice, Fox News or MSNBC, depending on your political persuasion. If, if you spent more time listening to either of those outlets than you did listening to God's Word yesterday, then probably you're more consumed with fear than with faith, wouldn't you think? I would say
1: so, yes. Mm-hmm.
3: I think Christians today more than ever have to know— the truth, up, first of all, about God, secondly, about themselves, and third, about why are we here? What's our assignment in the meantime? I just want to go back to the truth about who God is, and I just wrote some, some of the things down that I think about, and I don't necessarily use this as a checklist, Bob, but when I'm dealing with uncertainty, when I'm dealing with things that I can't get my arms around, and I don't know what I'm going to do, I'll just, I just go back to these truths. Number one, God exists. God exists. Faith has to have an object, and the, the, the object of our faith is God because he does exist. Secondly, he has won the battle, and as a result, he's ruling. He is the sovereign king of kings and Lord of lords. If he's not the sovereign king, that means man is in control. Now, I'm going to tell you, if, if something's frightening, if you start thinking about man being sovereignly in control, we're in serious trouble right. on our planet. Third, if we know Christ, if we've been forgiven by Him, then that means we have eternal life. We've got a purpose, a plan. Fourth, we've been rescued from hell, redeemed. Fifth, He's given us good works for us to do. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, You are created in Christ Jesus for good works which He prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. He's got an assignment for you in the midst of this chaos, and then finally, sixth, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So my assignment is to be obedient to what God called me to do, to train my kids to do the same, and to not believe the lies of the culture and the lies of uh, of the news that want to create fear, and want to cause confusion, and uh, just to, to spike ratings. We want to anchor you in the stability of God. But secondly, we want you to seize the day. These are days. These ought to be among the finest hours for followers of Christ, to represent Him as never before, and to be on mission. You can't do that if you've forgotten who you are. You can't do that if you've forgotten what your assignment is. We need to be on that task today as never before.
2: I think of Matthew 7, the the passage that you quote mm-hmm. routinely, Dennis, about mm-hmm. what you're going to build your house on, sand or rock. Is it going to be on something that's shaky and shifty or on something that is stable? And that's really Jesus telling us to go back to the foundation of What do we believe about who God is and about His love for us?
1: I think this is really a great opportunity for us as believers to shine. You know, God wants us to let His light shine. And if we have built our house on the rock, and if we are sinking our roots down into Him, then no matter what happens tomorrow or six months from now, we will remain unshaken. And that in and of itself is a witness to the watching world that there is something different about Christians. And Christians throughout the ages have been known for that. Back in Roman times when they were killing Christians, they didn't walk away from their faith just because they were being arrested Hmm. and tied to the stake. They continued to hang on to what they knew was true, no matter how hard the circumstances of their life.
2: And really, our day is... uh is we're we're still in a lot better shape than the first Christians oh my goodness, yes. living under Roman rule in the in the first century, right?
3: I mean, uh, it's not costing us our lives yet. They so changed the world.
2: Their message was so radical
3: that there was an opposing force that wanted to take them out. I want to go back to what Barbara was talking about just a moment ago and just read the words of Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. This would make a great verse. Just to read this out loud as a couple or as a family, every day in the morning or every evening at the dinner table, Jesus said this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There's our assignment. Be on mission. Don't be neutral. Don't be hiding in a corner, cowering at the giants that dwell in the land. Instead, train your kids to know how to pick up five smooth stones and go slay a giant or two, today at, at school or in the marketplace. And I'm not talking about violence, by the way. I'm talking about with the love of Jesus Christ.
0: The phrase Barbara Rainey held on to is Isaiah chapter 33, the first part of verse 6. And he will be the stability of your times. That's such an encouraging reminder from Barbara, along with her husband, Dennis, and their good friend, Bob Lapine. It's a great way for us all to work on cultivating hope in times of difficulty and instability. Now that phrase, cultivating hope, is the title of a Bible study series by Barbara. Actually, here's the full title. Cultivating Hope, Trusting God During Times of Disappointment and Hardship. It's a video series. So, whether you plan to go through this Bible study on cultivating hope with a friend or a group of friends, or just by yourself, here's where you can start CultivatingHopeETH.com. There are five episodes in all, as well as a downloadable study guide. And you can watch that first episode for free. Again, you'll find all the details at CultivatingHopeETH.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. Our prayer for you is that you would cultivate hope in your heart by remembering that Jesus is the stability in our shaky times. I'm Samantha, inviting you back for a special question and answer session with Barbara, next time on the Barbara Rainey Podcast from Ever Thine Home.